We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome back to another episode of the pack a day podcast you can get all your pack a day updates by following us on twitter at pack a day podcast and remember you can always subscribe to the podcast on itunes google play TuneIn, stitcher or spotify and of course you can check us out over at cheeseheadtv.com I'm Kyle Bells, and I am here with my co-host, Andrew Mertig, who is, in some strange way, dancing currently. But welcome to the show. It's good to be back for another Friday edition of the podcast, which is today a special post-game report edition of that podcast. Woo! I like couldn't even hold in the energy while Let's you were go. reading all of the intro. It's a that long was one. so exciting. That game, that was wild. Uh, So I was mentally preparing myself for having to record a very disappointing loss as Kyler Murray is matriculating the ball down the field and they get into the red zone. And I'm just thinking, (laughs) I didn't expect the Packers to win this game, but now I'm going to feel disappointed about it. And instead we get such a fantastic ending. So cool. Uh, but yeah, it's it's great to be back. It's fun. We we don't get to do game breakdowns all that often. Of course, maybe a couple times a year, uh, being the Friday crew. But yeah, it, it's really fantastic to be back and be recording this. It's episode eleven ninety two. I should make a mention of. And there's only one ninety two in Packers history I care about. I can't think of it. It's anyone. not John Yurkovich. Actually, did he wear ninety two? I don't know. Whatever. Anyways, yeah, Reggie White, and what a what a great way to celebrate our uh, Reggie White episode. So let's go. It's, let's do it. It is very very late. Yeah. I'm on Eastern Time Zone, and we are pushing midnight right now. And so we are slap happy and just happy in general because what in the world did we just witness? But um, we're here because you guys need this pre- fresh off. Uh, the press content for you tomorrow morning, Friday. So results are in Packers 24 Cardinals 21 in a very drama filled game. That was just 
crazy lots of fun. But, of course, the drama really began in this game well before kickoff, right? The week was all about who was actually going to be able to play in this one, right? The the Packers were without Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard with the COVID situations. And then uh, this week we learned that the Cardinals lost J.J. Watt probably for the season to that injured shoulder. And then Hopkins was also questionable coming into this game as well. So lots of dynamics in this one uh, that we wouldn't have maybe anticipated maybe a couple weeks ago. And it all mixed together for what we saw on the field, which was an absolute just crazy, crazy experience uh, to take in as a fan tonight. Yeah, and just like more brutal injuries piling up. And we'll talk about some of those as the show goes on. We'll kind of summarize it at the end. I don't care what anybody says. Even when it's a turf monster that that you know gets your ACL or whatever, to say like, oh, well, that could have happened on Sunday. Yeah, of course it could have happened on Sunday, but it's more likely to happen on Thursday because these guys who are such finely tuned athletes are now being asked to turn around on three days rest, which they, they just shouldn't be. They shouldn't right. be. And especially right. for the Packers to not only be on short rest, but then have to pack your stuff up, fly yeah. halfway across the country and then not get the kind of rehab and reconditioning mm-hmm. that you're used to. I mean, it's it's stupid. I agree with something I read on Twitter. The NFL is never going to do away with this because it's a money-making machine. Yeah, and they have sure. a lot of eyeballs on their product. I get it. It's just, it's bad for, it's not bad for the product. It's bad for the people who create the product. Um, and I, I don't know that the NFL cares, but uh, ugh, rough. And, yeah. you know, I mean, it, the Cardinals had it just as bad as the Packers tonight, quite frankly, but by the end of things. so Yeah, we don't want to get too far into that discussion of just, like, you know, why injuries happen when they do. But it does seem like this should be a greater point of emphasis considering a short week and especially – traveling teams on a short week because as you point out that's just it's a crazy factor that you add in um and it's probably a bigger factor than adding that extra week of football on the end of the season there's a lot made of that but man it just it does seem like frequently we see those injuries stack up on thursday nights and it just seems like something that could be avoided but i'm with you there's money in the mix and the money's probably gonna win but uh man before we get too far into this game andrew and the particulars let's just share some of our impressions uh, from a fan as we really got to take in what was an incredible game tonight. Yeah, I was really happy most of the night, and then I was really mad for a little bit, and then I was happy again. That was my whole experience. My Man, dog that's moved the into show the other today. room. My my dog got up and moved into the other room during that last drive of the fourth quarter because I was pretty frustrated. That That's <laughs> the only way that I can describe it. He didn't need that negativity in his life. He's like, <laughs> yeah, I woke him up and he was not happy with it. Like, you name me after a football stadium and then you act like this. What is happening? Listen, so uh, Andrew and I have done a handful of Thursday night games over the last couple of years. And it feels like we've covered our fair share of stinkers, really. I mean, we, we've covered a couple of the games. I think one of the 49ers games that still gives me nightmares was one we covered and had to talk about immediately after. And it's in those moments that it's our jobs to help fans like ourselves deal with that pain and to try to keep perspective on all of these things. We, we try to be the calm in the storm or the voice of reason. We pride ourselves on trying to come up with some kind of rational, reasonable response to those disappointing moments. But not tonight, Andrew. We don't have to do that tonight because tonight we got that W and it went a lot better uh, than maybe even people thought it was going to heading into this game. If you were following Twitter, the optimism wasn't exactly through the roof. So let's take a look at this. Let's talk about what happened 
to get this win. Uh, let's start on the offensive side. Yeah, yeah. And if you've never heard a game breakdown with Kyle and myself, we do things a little bit differently. We, we talk all offense first, and then we'll talk all defense later, and maybe we'll squeeze the special teams in if we feel like it. Uh, but... <laughs> First of all, the Packers come out, right? And you're like, well, may- maybe they'll be able to move the ball a little bit. First play from scrimmage, Equinemia is holding call. Uh, and then they yes. ran a couple of screen passes. One worked, one didn't. Uh, three and out. And then it's a Bjorkes bomb. And so it it made me laugh because Rondale Moore, when he caught that punt and his momentum carries him out of bounds, like there's a situation that always happens like that in Madden where like your punt returner just can't stop himself moving to the sideline, just like steps out. And it's like, that's so unrealistic. And that's exactly what happened to Ryan Dillmore. So uh, funny there in the second drive, you get the Amari Rogers drop followed by the Amari Rogers catch and run. So, so Aaron goes back to Amari, uh, even after he had the drop, you, you get the deep ball to Aaron Jones. That was broken up by Isaiah Simmons. I thought Jones had a, a chance to bring that in Isaiah Simmons, good coverage, but um, the throw is even better, unfortunately, on other three and out. And things are looking rough at this point, right? And yeah. and that's why I always say, like, try not to overreact early in the game. And then we get this, this like, legendary third drive. You get Jones, you get Dylan, you get uh, another Aaron Jones catch, a Dylan big run. You get Tunyon, who's not quite on the same page as Aaron Rodgers. Um, uh, I think it was on an out route. Uh, and then, you know, you get a big Dylan run, a neutral zone infraction for a first down. Aaron Rodgers was pretty hot about that one. Uh, Juwan Winfrey first down catch. You get a tip pass, a Dylan run, a Winfrey catch, a Dylan hard first down run. That was that one where he just willed his way forward. And by yeah. the way, John Runyon with the big assist on that run. <laughs> um, and then we have uh, Dylan who fumbled uh, and recovered or maybe didn't fumble. I didn't really catch what the ruling on the field was. You get Tunyon with one area catch. Jones with the man run. I, I capitalized that. The man <laughs> run. The grown man run uh, in for a two-yard touchdown. That was an eight-minute and 23-second 14 play drive. Gotta love that. Uh, the fourth uh, drive, you have the uh, Tunyon third down conversion, Amari Rodgers end around, and then uh, that drive ended <laughs> uh, with a punt. And then uh, the fifth <laughs> drive, they recover the muff punt, right? So um, yeah. that the fifth drive led from that fourth one where it started with a special teams penalty. You get the Rondale Moore muff punt. Packers don't kick it in, and they uh, then have three straight passes at the goal line. We'll talk about red zone play calling in a little bit, but they settle for a field goal. Uh, and then the last drive of the first half, you get a bunch of good stuff. They looked like they were moving in the right direction, and then uh, they just miss Aaron Aaron Jones on that out route. I think they could have maybe taken advantage, try to kick a field goal uh, with some really far off coverage they don't they throw the hail mary it's incomplete we go to half uh so they come out in the second half and they had a lot less possessions in the second than the first uh but you get that turnover the the kyler murray interception and then a huge fourth down catch for equinemius i think that's a really underrated play in this game you get the touchdown to randall cobb uh how i don't know how he caught that through byron murphy but right. a heck of a play uh and then you have the kickoff and the the just super scary kylan hill and uh ward injury and you know hope the the best for both of them, but it did not look great. Uh, AJ Dillon, just crazy balance. Uh, first play, um, really backed up, makes makes a nice run. You get a fun play on third and one where they motion Dillon to the fullback position and they just run him up the gut. I love that. Cool creativity. A swing pass to Aaron Jones for 19, a huge pass to Tunyon 
but then the injury, right? So you look like a season in, season-ending injury to Kylan Hill, and then it looks like a potentially another season-ender for Tunyon. You get a screen to Deguara, who looked pretty good. Cobb touchdown, such a fun play design on that. He, they they faked it to the the flat route, which they ran seemingly a thousand times in this game. And mm-hmm. then you get Cobb one on one over the middle. They actually tried to run that again at Equinemius. I'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, the ninth run, um, you, or the ninth drive, I should say. Uh, Aaron Jones, you get Deguara in a flat route, Winfrey, and uh, another nice play for a first. Then Winfrey fumbles. Out of bounds, looked like that was going to be a drive killer. Instead, Aaron Jones with a fantastic run, great blocking up front. He gets the first down, and then a big 16-yard run by Aaron Jones. Uh, They used two timeouts on that drive, just rough. I I bolded that even before I knew it was going to come back to haunt them. Uh, He gets a screen to EQ, a 15-yard, well, you know, it was half half the distance to the goal line, but a, a personal foul on Byron Murphy. The pass interference on slant route to Equinemius. Aaron Jones gets the one-yard touchdown run. And I'm leaving it at that because there was no angle that showed him down. I don't care. It, it was it was bogus. And, I, I mean, unless there's some angle that the, the television network doesn't have access to, and in, if that's the case, what on earth is the NFL doing? There's no way they can overturn that, right? Mm-hmm. Was Aaron Jones in? Probably not. But, like... You can't overturn that on a probably when the ball touchdown. Right. And then Jones gets stoned. You get the five yard penalty. Rogers scrambles back to the goal line, takes a hard hit. You get the fourth down tipped pass. I I just everybody on Twitter saying it already. I wrote down. Why did they not run Dylan? I was ticked. Like, what? what is the purpose of having this 247 pound running back on your roster if you're not going to use him in that situation? And side note, I didn't think Aaron Jones had very good vision tonight. Take that for what it is. He had a, he had a really nice game. He, he played well. I just thought he ran more for what was blocked for him and didn't take advantage of some angles that he had, whereas A.J. Dillon was just on it all night. And and so, I you know, I don't get it. Aaron, Aaron Jones isn't suited for the goal line as well as A.J. Dillon is, even though Jones is a good goal line running back. And jo- uh, Dillon was playing better tonight. So it just it, it made no sense to me. None yeah, and I I thought the same. I couldn't believe that there wasn't. Um, I mean, just the play calling in general when they got the um, when they had to go for it again, right? And like the the Rogers taking the delay game, and then they get back up, and it just felt like you should give it to your big back. And I immediately assume, and maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like they value Dylan for what he brings, but they still may not trust maybe the fumbling issues. And in that moment, when you've got a guy like Aaron Jones, you think, you know, he's our, he's our guy we trust. He's the guy that we, you know, he gets us the, he, he sneaks in, you know, he's not the big battering ram, but he gets those touchdowns. And that's the only thing I can think of. But when Dylan's run, I mean, he's turning, he's getting hit at the line of scrimmage. He's turning around and he's falling backwards for four yards, like all night long, same thought, just like, just, let's just do what we've done all night and get the score and get mm-hmm. out of here. You know, uh, that was kind of my thought on it, but I'm with you. Um, just a couple of thoughts really quickly. Um, loved all the pre-snap motion from Amari. I mean, it was sprinkled throughout the night, but in just the very beginning of the game, I counted in, I think four of the first five plays, 
um, he moves in motion on those. And it just, I think it kind of helped with drawing together what they wanted to do in, in the running game and those kinds of things. Really fun. Um, and I love that Rodgers, like you pointed out, went right back to Amari after the drop. I think that's huge for him, get him back involved and those kinds of things. Um, but really, really fun that Eddie Lacy was here in this stadium <laughs> for this game to watch this just like ground game come alive. So a lot of fun. I mean, the offense wasn't, you know, the dynamic piece that it has been at times, um, but they found creative ways to get it done. And I mean, goodness, lots of success on the ground. So anything else yeah. you want to add in before we switch? I- We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Just echoing what you said, I loved all the pre-snap motion. It was all night. They they were they were running that that fake jet motion, and yep. I thought that was opening up. You know, you're in in a lot of ways you're buying yourself an extra gap when you run that motion. Um, and then they were also doing some action where they were bringing the tight end. Sometimes it was Daphne, sometimes Deguara, um, where where they were bringing the tight end off of the side that the motion was coming from. So they're actually bringing an extra blocker in that way, and then uh, you know allowing their interior offense lineman to get downfield a little bit more. So. That was cool. The other thing is just simply, I think Eddie Lacy would have been a better option at the goal line than Aaron Jones tonight. Mm. <laughs> I, I was wondering if you would catch that. I know it's late. I I did, and it is late. But uh, yeah, I mean, he was he was probably sitting sitting in like the third or fourth row. He probably could have gotten down there, and you know that might have been his end zone. Maybe they should have just grabbed him and put twenty seven in there for a second. But so how about there. that defense? Yeah, how about that defense? Let's talk about that defense because, my goodness, this defense came out to play and played well tonight uh, for much of the game. And uh, they came out right away and started with a face mask from Gary, right? So starting things well, uh, you could tell it just happened so fast. And, he, you know, it's one of those things you get get your hands on a player and – he, you know, obviously, you could tell the frustration on his face when that happens. Doesn't the very help when first the quarterback's play, like five seven. Right, he's just grabbing for something, right? Um, but uh, coverage was really good, good contained by the defense on Murray, and they were get able to off get off the field even after that penalty, uh, which was a big deal. The the pressure on Murray continued on the next drive. Uh, he was able to get off a bomb to Stokes. Uh, actually, you know, it was, wasn't Stokes, but Stokes thought he was in position to make the play. It just happened that he was in the wrong spot because the bomb was the Hopkins and Stokes did just kind of seem like he broke off thinking the ball was coming to him there. 
Uh, but the catch did go for a touchdown. Uh, but Hopkins had a good hold of Stokes' face mask there, which brought the ball back uh, outside the 20. But then Chase Edmonds got the call on the direct snap uh, with two running backs in the backfield and was able to scamper up the middle for six. Um, again, on the third defensive opportunity, they were really stout. They did a nice job containing Rondell Moore and then Devondre Campbell with a big stop on a third down that really mattered. So more three and outs. You love to see that. Um, and then there was a really fun play, uh, a second and six play, I think right before half maybe, where Kenny Clark is just coming. And you thought he was going to get there. Didn't quite get the sack, but forced the pass. And Rasul Douglas was really uh, in position there to make a, a pass break up there and force yet another punt. So love what this defense was able to come out. And it really seemed like they came and played with a lot of, a lot of intensity there in the first half. And then uh, to start the second half, uh, the Cards did get the ball first, and they noted on the broadcast that Kyler Murray changed his shoes at halftime, but it didn't seem to help much initially. Uh, Dean Lowry just manpowered his way to the quarterback uh, and really just backed his offensive lineman right into Murray's lap for a huge sack there. Uh, but then it got a little bit better on this drive, right? Green Bay sends Gary and Preston off the same side on a rush, and Kyler tries to dump to Rondale Moore, but he can't gather it in more, uh, but tips it instead to the waiting arms of who else? Henry Black for a huge interception there. And so, of course, Green Bay takes over in great position to score there. Um, and then after the Cobb score, the cards start moving the ball a little bit more, right? They Something they couldn't have really said up until this point in the game, but uh, things stalled out a little bit, brought up a fourth and four, uh, which they went for and were able to convert. Hopkins came back in the game around this point and did some damage with a big first down catch on Stokes shortly thereafter. Um, and really, this offense has so many weapons. When you feel like you've seen them all, it just seems like they sprinkle in some more. Uh, a couple plays later, they had a big first down uh, that went to Ertz, right, and got down to the goal line, and Connor was able to punch it in and finish up that long drive there. I noted here that Rasul Douglas really, like, I mean, it wasn't a great defensive drive, but Rasul Douglas, really some nice tackles and some aggressive play. Uh, felt like he was playing fast and playing well even at this point in the game. Um, of course, though, <laughs> to balance things out, it was the very first play of the next drive. Uh, Douglas gets called for the uh, pass interference call that gave the Cardinals that first down. Phantom call, though, right, Andrew? We never actually saw this replayed or any kind of evidence that this ever actually happened in the real world. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was there was no receiver anywhere near the ball. So the only explanation would be that Douglas kind of tackled him and took him out of the play, which is a possibility. But why did the network not show a replay? I, I yeah. really didn't understand that. It happened so quickly, and they just moved on, and I was very confused why there was it was never addressed. But again, I mean, went from first down to, to first down, and uh, Gary and the defensive line continued to be disruptive here and make Kyler really uncomfortable. That was a theme throughout the night. Uh, they were just doing a great job getting him off his spot. But then also containing him, which is an incredibly difficult task to do those things at the same time. So uh, the cards got stopped short, bringing up a fourth and one. But Ertz makes a huge, huge catch to move the chains once again. Um, this is a tough offense to defend in general. I think 
That's just true. It's really tough, though, when they essentially have four downs to work with out of the gate because there's no points in punting. So they know that they've got a lot to work with. They can just keep going for it. There's multiple times where they came up to a fourth down and it just didn't matter because they had one more free play. Uh, James Conner gets his second score on a play where the cards ran up the middle when the offensive personnel really suggested it was going to be a passing play. No chance in the middle for the, it was really, maybe Chris Barnes was the only guy out there in the middle. But um, but after, this was, I mean, we had the emotionally draining portion of the game coming back to me now. You get that gut punch when the offense left those seven points on the field. The defense looks like they're going to come out and play like they did at the very beginning of the game, right? Looking good. It's third and 10 from the end zone there. And they give up a big first down catch to A.J. Green. On the very next play, it's a big catch to Christian Kirk. He gets them down to midfield. And a few few plays later, the defense almost had their chance with a bad snap. But Murray was able to get back on top of that one. And then Chase Edmonds with an electric catch and run after just a couple more plays. Uh, Kyler Murray lines up for one last shot, right? We've gotten all the way down. 14 seconds left, one last shot before the assumed game-tying field goal. And there, Andrew and I are already pivoting in our minds of how we're going to talk about how this game ends. They target Rasul Douglas because it's Rasul Douglas. But A.J. Green doesn't find the ball, and Douglas does. He's able to one-hand corral this thing, bring it into himself. It's It acts like it's no big deal, and it goes from no touchdown to wait is that that's an interception and that's the game winner just an incredible way that this game took a really a roller coaster path and then the Packers end up walking out with the W yeah a couple things on on the Douglas interception the Packers brought the house yeah that was the very first time that they had really done that and I think I'm 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 just like we we've seen no post game coverage right like we just sat down and started recording this I have a feeling that was either a called run play or it was something that was supposed to go underneath because A.J. Green looked like he was blocking. Yeah. And I think Murray just panicked in the moment and just threw it up to him. And that's what caused it. But, I mean, I, I we'll, we'll find out more with the post-game press. Well, you say they, they brought the house, but correct me if I'm wrong, but it was really heavy on the right side, right? If I remember right, yeah. I think they were crashing it was from in the his face. And so yeah. AJ Green was the opposite, you know, to the to the left side of the defense. So, I mean, if that's if that's true, like maybe Green thought the play was running to the opposite side, and you know, but obviously the play was dead. It was coming with that much heat. So I don't know. Yeah. It's a good but, it's a good observation. But obviously, that being the the key play of the game. But that is not how the Packers generated pressure uh, for for the rest. And I mean, Murray was under constant pressure. Uh, pretty much throughout the entirety of this game without with, with the exception of maybe that third and 10 you were talking about in the end zone where he actually had time to throw and then AJ Green breaks open. Um, but other than that, the Packers did an awesome job of generating pressure with really four and then Devondre Campbell sort of skimming the line waiting for Murray to make his move. They also stayed in their lane relatively well. They contained him, so they had opportunities to make sacks and hits and pressure on Murray without having to sacrifice giving up their lanes. And that that is just really unbelievably well game-planned and well-executed. 
And um, the one thing that I was frustrated with was just the amount of cushion the Packers were giving to the Cardinals receivers at times. And I understand the goal of this Joe Barry defense is to eliminate the big play. And so sometimes you have to do that. But there is just no excuse for me on a third and, let's say, eight for Eric Stokes to be playing 10 yards off the receiver at the line scrimmage and then backpedal. You can play 10 yards off if your first move is up, but you... I mean, you're just basically handing them a first down. And I felt like on the Zach Ertz fourth down conversion you're talking about, the Packers were too soft in that zone. There were many times, uh, including that final drive, where I was really frustrated because it was clear the the Cardinals were just going to take the easy pass right in front of them. And the Packers were giving them no resistance. You at least have to have a pre-coverage look when they have those two receivers stacked that somebody's up top. Otherwise, it's just an automatic throw because you're never going to get less than five yards on that play. So... Um, I, that to me is a little frustrating. I thought Eric Stokes had a rough game. Um, mm. some, some of it's the position he was put in, right? He was covering DeAndre Hopkins for a lot right, of it. Right. No, no one should expect a rookie to exceed in or succeed in, in that situation. But, um, you know, this is not one Stokes is going to look back on fondly, but again, growing experience, he's going to have some of these games and you just hope he just keeps getting better and better. Absolutely. Do we want to spend any time on the, on the special teams, Andrew? Yeah, there were a couple of positive plays, right? Sure. I mean, there was the muff punt recovery. <laughs> That's something. Yeah, absolutely. They, yep. That's a big they one. They made some pretty good tackles on kickoffs. There's some rough things for the Packers on the receiving end of kicks. Yeah, so I think that continues to be a theme of just like, I don't know, that Amari Rogers looks incredibly comfortable back there, which is something he was very much advertised to be coming into this rookie year. And obviously he's a rookie, so, you know, you want to give him time, but seems to be a theme. Yeah, well, and you have the Mari Rogers fumble. You have a Mari Rogers with a decent return that's called back for a penalty, like a super unnecessary penalty. I think that was Malik, right? Um, a black and back. And then uh, obviously the Kylan Hill thing. And I mean, the injury is horrific and, and I'm not making light of that, but like the decision to bring it out was not good. Mm. And obviously you get tackled the 10 yard line. I mean, yeah. who cares about that? Like Kylan Hill's right. health is worth mm. a lot more than a, the field position on one drive, but um, just uh, special teams continues to, you know, I, yeah. Corey Bohorka is Yeah, let's awesome. talk about the punter, because we like the punter. <laughs> he, he was fantastic in his few opportunities tonight. Yeah, he absolutely. forced a fumble, too, on that punt. That's all him. Yeah. He's the, uh, I mean, we're going to do some award segment here. I don't know that we're handing the MVP award to uh, the punter, but, I mean, he's, he's, he's done well. Maybe not tonight, but Maybe soon. Maybe not tonight. We'll save that. All right, cool. Hey, before we get into our other award segments, Sometimes we like to give ourselves awards because that's who we are. Are we going to talk about our unofficial uh, um, X Factor picks for this week? Because we Mine didn't really get to make any. I, I did Equinemius. Uh, I had tweeted that out before the game, and I felt like he contributed. I mean, he the the fourth down catch was worth an X Factor all on its own. Sure. He, yeah. He didn't have he he had the one pass interference call that ended up not really mattering because Packers didn't score anyways, but. Um, where where he got the ball down to the one mm-hmm. where they should have been yeah. able to punch it in. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought he played well. Um, he didn't get that many chances. That This was really the Juwan Winfrey show, right? really was, yeah. Yeah, I, I noted that, like, I mean, I, he looks good in that 88, and it's really cool to see, like, 
Rodgers trust him enough to like bring along a guy who really seems to have kind of jumped above maybe someone like Malik Taylor and something like that as someone who can contribute a little bit uh, in in a case where they certainly needed him this week. But um, so do I get to announce who I who I picked as an X factor right before the game or or do you want? Yeah, to go that? for it. Okay, no, because I'm it. I'm pretty excited because uh, I mean. I caught it at the very end here. This is a couple hours before the game, but I, I, I picked A.J. Dillon, and I really thought this was an opportunity for him uh, because I really thought the receiving work was going to be there for Aaron Jones, and it was, but it wasn't maybe the way I thought that they would use him. Um, but my goodness, like A.J. Dillon, like fun to watch, incredibly valuable for this team to be able to pivot and win in different ways than maybe they have in the last couple weeks in ways that they may want to win as they get into some winter weather and some playoffs. So great game for AJ Dillon. Unbelievable night. Yeah, definitely. Let's race through these awards. Let's do it. Instead of so we go to bed. Myself on the back, Kyle. Right. I mean, I want to take a minute to pat myself on the back, but I also want to go to bed. So let's uh, <laughs> let's do this. Who do you have? Uh, who do you have for your MVP for tonight? I'm cheating here. I'm going with the entire offensive line. I, nice. I thought they were so good all night. Just unbelievable, the holes that they were able to create. I, I'm i continued to just be absolutely amazed by how well this unit is playing without David Bakhtiari, with Elton Jenkins being forced to play left tackle, with with no Josh Myers. Uh, I, I mean, and the, the complete inexperience at the guard positions, Lucas Patrick is stepping up and playing really, really well. Uh, and Billy Turner just continues to be an absolute bargain. And I never would have thought that I'd say that when they when they made that signing. So kudos to the offensive line. Yeah, playing unbelievably well and a deep, deep group. And that's showing incredibly valuable down the stretch. My MVP, I'm also cheating a little bit here and going outside the box, maybe a little bit. But I'm going to pick... Pick Matt LaFleur, and I know that I'm a little bit more torn on this because of the end of the game and maybe some of the ways that I felt like that goal line uh, attempts there on third and fourth down could have been handled a little bit differently, maybe with someone like A.J. Dillon. But to come into this week on a short week, traveling across the country without star players throughout your roster. I mean, Devontae Adams was the headline all week, but I mean, we're talking about... a a roster that's just decimated by injuries to come in and play a seven and zero Cardinal team. That's red hot, incredible offense, uh, finding new ways to win really like looking at the speed of that defense and saying, we're going to beat you with power and with a running game and just be incredibly effective in the creativity of how that was distributed. I just felt like is a testament to who he is as a coach that even though you have the MVP, the real MVP and Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, you can win in different ways when you may not want to have to do that, right? Because it would not be advantageous to try to go out and air it out with, with the roster that you have this week. So to me, I felt like Matt LaFleur did an amazing job, not even to mention the hoops that they had to jump through to figure out how to do this defense. And I mean, that's a testament to those guys stepping up with coach Barry, not able to, to call the game right so i mean i just to get all those that coaching staff all on the same page this week an unbelievable feat in my opinion and i think people were talking about what if the packers could come in and win this game because it seemed so out of reach with everything that was happening and then they did it and i think that that's that's on matt lafleur and i think he gets a lot of credit for that 
Yeah, and I think, you know, people are, it's it's really easy to forget. This was something like Matt LaFleur's 40th head coaching game, give or take. And he's still pretty inexperienced. Like, he's still learning on the job. And so Mm -hmm. I think, you know, those are things that you have to take into account. Now, his game plan was phenomenal. And I think that's where he really excels. I think some of the game management stuff, he needs to continue to clean up. I think Rodgers and him need to get on the same page about what they're going to call in the red zone and how quickly the plays are getting into Rodgers and how quickly Rodgers is getting those to his players, especially Mm -hmm. knowing that you have an inexperienced group. Um, But I I think the game plan cannot be questioned. It was Mm -hmm. phenomenal. Yeah, really, really nice. Hey, um, we want to talk about maybe some players on the rise really quick, right? And this is a perfect game for it, right? Because this was a game that necessitated guys who may not have had a big role for this team, but got, maybe got to show off a little bit tonight. Um, who you got for uh, your player on the rise? Are you going to make me go first? Yeah, I, sure. guess. I guess. Um, mine's really easy and super obvious. It's Rasul Douglas. Um, the dude's legend just continues to grow along the lines of people like Sam Congato and Jeff Janis and Packers lore. Everybody loves him. And honestly, he outplayed AJ Green all night. And he was the Packers best cornerback on the field. I don't mm. think that's like super controversial to say. And of course, the most important interception of the season so far, just absolutely unreal. I was already preparing for a postgame loss podcast. And then Rasul <laughs> Douglas makes this crazy play and just turns my whole night around. So you, sir, are my player on the rise. What a play. And just, man, the the realization of the we're going to lose to, oh, it's incomplete. No, it's an interception. Just like that. And then I didn't think seconds. he got his feet down, which yeah. he got like eight feet down. <laughs> so tapped yeah. like four times. That was great. So casually, and then just waves to the crowd, you buy. Like, unbelievable way to end the game after a very, very stressful couple of minutes there. But um, my player on the rise, I'm going to go. There's lots of guys that we could we could go with here. But Jawan Winfrey is someone that I, I think we kind of wanted to be that folk legend coming into this game. People said, you know, it's going to be the Winfrey game. And I think people were kind of joking because we kind of assumed, based off of history, like, he'd be pretty far down the pecking order and maybe a, you know, he was a recent elevation. It's not like he's been someone who's been integrating slowly, right? Malik Taylor had shown that he had earned trust with this offense more than someone like Winfrey, I would assume. But my goodness, comes out, shows that Aaron Rodgers has enough trust to to use him early and often in this game and made some really, really clutch plays uh, throughout. So someone who, I mean, this is a deep group when they're healthy, but I think someone that we might see get to contribute a little bit more as we continue into the season. Yeah, absolutely. He he looked really great, and, and you're right. He looked pretty cool in that 88. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so hopefully, hopefully we get to see a little bit more of Winfrey. We'll see. I mean, Packers hopefully will have – Adams and Lazard and MVS back for their next right, game. Right. So we'll see what, what rotations we see at wide receiver uh, when the roster churns again. Uh, we did have some injuries tonight, of course. We talked about Robert Tunyon. Uh, Kingsley Kiki had a reported concussion. There was a Kylan Hill knee injury. I believe Henry Black also left the game at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we'll see. The good thing is the Packers have nine days off. So hopefully they can take advantage of that mini buy, get rested up, watch some football on Sunday, and then uh, be back for full strength for week eight. 
but that is all the time that we have for today. That's been the Packer Day podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore pundit, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and consider giving us a five-star rating. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday, and we'll be back next week uh, talking about the Packers' upcoming Week 8 game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Sure, that one will be pretty fun. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember... Go, hey, go!